you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. We serve an amazing God. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to jump into today. We're going to continue with the sermon storytellers. It's going to be a fun day. It's funny. Let me tell you this. The praise and worship team, nor what Armando shared, none of us linked up together and go, oh, hey, we're going to talk about the same things. We're going to preach about the same things. But my message has to tie into all of those. So let me tell you here, if you're here today, you're not by accident. God's trying to tell you something today. I just want to put you on for just warning right here. Man, realize what is going to come out of these words to give you life. It's for you, not somebody else. It's for you today because God orchestrated this entire thing today. So let me tell you a story real quick. So uh, not too long ago, there was a local graveyard. And the lo- inside of the local graveyard, there was an iron fence around that graveyard. And so inside of that graveyard... Um, there was pecan trees that grew, a couple different pecan trees. Well, every year, these two little boys who were good friends, they would go into the graveyard, and they would get bags, and they would collect the pecans. They would do it together, and they would do it really fast. They would collect those pecans, get them in their bags. And uh, one time, they were in there doing it, and as they were filling up their bags and hustling really fast inside of this graveyard to get the pecans, a couple of the pecans, a couple of those nuts had rolled out and hit the iron fence. Well, they were sitting there, and we were like, oh, that's just a couple of them so let's just keep doing this so they got finished their bag was full and they said hey we're fair with each other so let's divide these these nuts between each so it's one for you one for me the boys got along great one for you one for me one for you one for me and they continued on well about that time a few minutes into it this other little boy is riding a bicycle outside the graveyard and he hears voices one for you one for me and he stops He's listening, and he's looking, and he's like hearing it, one for you, a one for me. He gets terrified, so he gets back on his bicycle, and he rides to the, an elderly man's house who, who walks with a cane, and he goes, sir, you've got to come with me. The devil and Jesus are dividing people out there. You've got to come with me. <clears throat> so the elderly man was like, look, that's not what's happening. Let, trust me, that's not what's happening out in that graveyard. He said, it is. So he finally talked it. the little boy finally talked in the elderly man to come on out there. It took him a few minutes because he walked with a cane, and it took him a little bit longer. So they got out there, and they were hearing all of a sudden the elderly man. He was in disbelief, and he heard, one for you, one for me. One for you, one for, you, for, for me. And the elderly man tried to look around the tombstones to see, but he couldn't see it. And he kept hearing, hearing one for you, one for me. Then all of a sudden, it went quiet. He didn't hear voices anymore. They looked at each other, the elderly man and the little boy, and then they heard a voice that said, hey, let's go get those two nuts by the iron fence. (laughs) And the moral of that story is the elderly man beat the little boy home by five minutes with his cane and all. So today we're going to talk about stories beyond the graveyard. That's what we're going to talk about today, stories beyond the graveyard. So if you've got a Bible, your app, or whatever, look at Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39 as we're going to read. It's a little lengthy, but I think that you're going to hear something today. 
They said they sailed to the region of Gerasen. I try practice this word time and time again, so you just say it inside of your mind. Gerasen, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice. Who did you? I just freaked out some people, didn't I? I just messed it. You're like, oh, what? <laughs> he said, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirits to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what happened had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they had came when they had came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasian asked Jesus to lead them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray right now it brings life to us. We thank you that you are a life giver, and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name, amen. So isn't it amazing? Jesus' ministry is very fascinating to me because you think about this. Jesus went, he came to this earth, he got 12 guys who didn't know them. He did, they didn't have a Bible app. They didn't have Google. They didn't know this guy. He said, follow me, and they said, okay, we're going to follow him. Isn't, it, isn't that ministry just amazing? But they didn't understand they were going to be on the wildest ride of their entire life, that this ministry they're going to be a part of was so unpredictable. Just think about this. Jesus' mentorship, as we would have it nowadays, Jesus' mentorship looked like something that it didn't look like anything that they had ever saw before. It definitely looked, didn't look like today's mentorship. We got to meet at a Starbucks. No, no slam on that. Let's say favorite coffee place. We got to meet there for 30, 35 minutes. We do Q&A. We, we, oh, let's ask some questions. Now, don't go too deep, but don't go deep enough. Then we go home and we, we get in our journals and we talk about, did Jesus feed us while we were there? Did he make us feel good? That wasn't how the ministry was when those disciples started to follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you follow Jesus. They were with Jesus morning, noon, and night. 
They were with him on the journey. They were beside him in the good times and the bad times. They were following him all the time. They were with him in pursuit of him. They followed behind him. He was walking and dust would get in on their their clothes because they were hungry after Jesus. This... They are asking questions every single day that they're with him. Tell us more about the Father. Show us how to do it. Tell us about you. Luke 8, 26 tells us that they sailed to the region of Gerasene, which is across from the Lake of Galilee. That sounds so simple, so easy. It's only about a six-minute, a six-mile journey across that lake. That's all it is, about six miles across that lake. But here's what happened. See, what happened was a storm came up. And when the storm came up, a storm didn't just come up. It wasn't just like, ooh, this. It was back and forth. They were rocking back and forth on that boat. The water was coming over the edge. They thought that they were going to drown. Can anybody ever identify being inside of a storm and thought you weren't going to make it out? That's how they felt. They thought that they were terrified. They thought they are going to die. Many years ago, Misty and I went on our first cruise together. And, and it was a great cruise, didn't have any issues with it. Uh, we got out to where we were going. On the way back, a tropical storm had been coming our direction. And the tropical storm started making some waves in the boat going like this, right? You would be sitting at the dinner table and the waiter and waitresses are walking like this to bring you your food, yeah? You would watch your water on your glass and you side of your glass go like this and go like this. You would look out and the people in the pool, it wasn't supposed to be a wave pool, but it sure was. It was going one side to another side, back and forth. It was crazy how they, so I can only imagine how those disciples felt. Because Jesus is in a boat, but he's taking a nap. Chaos is happening. It's crazy up there. They think that they're going to die. But Jesus gets up and he calms the storm for them. I bet they were just ready to get off that boat. I would have been. That's how we were, and it wasn't nearly that bad. It was no waves over. I was just ready to get off the boat. My wife definitely was ready to get off the boat because she had to take Dremine, something like that, to go take a nap. Yeah, it was like almost, they didn't have that back in that day. They just had to rough it. But they were ready to get off the boat. Wouldn't you think on this journey with Jesus that maybe he'd go, okay, guys, y'all had it kind of rough. You thought you were going to die, even though I was here with you. You thought you were going to die. I tell you what, why don't y'all have some me time? Just go have me time, you disciples. Why don't you go take a nap? Because clearly you didn't get a nap in. Let's just have a meal. Let's go have a snack together. Isn't that how you would think that Jesus may have thought? Maybe he would have been compassionate, but that's not it. When you follow Jesus, you don't get to dictate the pace that you go. You just follow. When you follow Jesus, you don't get to schedule your schedule. You just follow. After almost dying... Those disciples, I, man, the, I'm sure, it would have been me. I'd be like, ooh, we parked on the boat. Oh, we on the beach now. Come on, guys, let's get out of this. Let's go. They get ready to get out of the boat, and what happens next? It says immediately a naked man who is demon-possessed shows up. <laughs> Put me back on the boat. Let's go to, back to the I'm going A naked man, demon-possessed shows up. Can you imagine the disciples? I would have been like, for the love of you, you know, for the love of God, for the love of you, man, what are you doing? It's a demon. He's naked. He's demon possessed. When you follow Jesus, there is no part time following him. And that's what happens in the church world. And for some of us Christians, we act like it's a part time thing. 
You're sold out completely to him. Luke 9, 23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross part-time. No, he said daily. Daily and follow me. Every single day of your life, you got to pick up your cross. Every day of your life, you got to follow him. We just sang a song in the good times and the bad times. Whether you come through with an answer or you don't come through with an answer, I'm going to follow you. That's the decision that we make in our walk through with Jesus Christ. When you take up your cross daily, that means we're encountering his presence daily. That's what helps make you through it. You're in his presence daily. You're seeking after his face daily. He said, if you will seek me, you'll find me. Daily it has to happen. See, in the, see having the presence of God in your life. He'll walk you through those storms. He'll walk you through those circumstances. He'll walk you through situations. He will even walk you through, through the things the devil throw at you because in his presence matters more than anything else. So we're going to talk about three lessons from the graveyard. Three lessons from the graveyard today. Number one is this. The presence of God will set you free. The presence of God will set you free. See, the, see, we see it right here in Scripture. The enemy recognizes the presence of God. We read it in Luke 8, 27 through 29. When Jesus stepped ashore, he, met, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs when he saw Jesus because Jesus had the presence of his Father on him. We are to walk with the presence of the Father on us. He cried out and fell, fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice. What do you want? I just want to keep you alive. <laughs> what do you want with me? Jesus, son of most high God, I beg you, don't torture me. He recognized the most high God was living in Jesus. The most high God lives in you. If you're a child of him, he lives inside of you. And his presence makes a difference inside of your life. This man was naked and he lived in graveyards. He was beat up by demons. He had been chained up. He had been put in iron shackles. And Mark tells us he was even under guard at some times. According to Mark 5, he cried out daily and would cut himself. This man was in severe bondage. And it's no different than in our lives today. This man was naked, which typically in our lives is shame and embarrassment. Because the devil started using this ploy all the way back with Adam and Eve. He said, if you'll just eat, you'll be as smart and wise as God. And when they did, what happened? They were shame and hid. The enemy, will, the enemy wants you to be beat down, and he wants you to be in bondage. He wants you to keep you in chains. He wants you to have addictions and habits and anything else that would keep you from denying the presence of God in your life. That's where he wants you to be. That's the, the enemy wants that to happen for you, but God doesn't want that to happen for you. Just like that man's life, the devil will set guards around you. He will put people around you. But that's not what the presence of God wants for you. But know this, when you have an experience with Jesus, the Father's presence will set you free every time. John 8 and 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Galatians 5 and 1 says this, it is for freedom, for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. You're free, but sometimes you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to stand firm sometimes against those fights. Then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I will tell you this, stop returning to the graveyard. 
The graveyard has nothing but death in it. It smells like death. It looks like death. And that's what the devil comes to do, kill, steal, and destroy. You've got to stop going back to the graveyard because you are free in Christ. When we truly experience the presence of the Lord, freedom is present in our lives. The second, second lesson from the graveyard is this. Number two is you have an identity change. You'll have an identity change. And let me tell you this. People don't like when you change. They do not like it when you change. In Luke chapter 8, verses 34 through 37, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town, in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in, the, in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people of the region of Garrison asked Jesus to leave them. Because they were overcome with fear. So he got in the boat and he left. You know what? It's, they didn't live in nowadays because nowadays we've been like, snitches get stitches, right? I'm telling you. They ran out and told everybody. That's what would happen in nowadays. They better be glad they didn't leave now. But that's exactly what the enemy does. The enemy sends them to run off to go tattle, to gossip. That is a trait of the enemy, sowing discord in your life, disunity among the believers. That is what he, gossiping, that is all traits of the enemy that he wants to keep you bound in the graveyard. See, sometimes things are obvious. Habits, hurts, hangups, those things are obvious. But sometimes, even in our Christian walk, we are chained inside of a graveyard because we haven't broke free from the old lifestyle. We haven't had an identity change. We're still embracing What's on that tombstone? They were not concerned. They, those people were not concerned that they were experiencing God right then. They weren't they wasn't concerned that they had Jesus right before them. They weren't concerned that this man who had been chained up, this man who had had demons, this man was now, he was set free. They had tunnel vision. How does this affect me? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many times have you ever asked yourself, how does this affect me? They want me to do this. They want me to, how does this affect me? Following, Christmas, following Christ ain't nothing about you. It's all about him. You just have to follow. These people lost their herd. They lost their money. They lost their identity is what happened in their lives. They lost their identity because they were, they were, they were hosting the herds. Let me tell somebody this. This is a little nugget for somebody that may help you get a little freedom today. You are not what you do, but you are whose you are. You are not what you do, but whose you are. The biggest obstacle nowadays in many of our Christian lives is the me factor. And it's funny because if you listen to the word the enemy, it's in me that's the enemy. He's using, been using tactics against us since the, since the very beginning of the time. He convinced Adam and Eve. He convinced many people we can read in the Bible. He convinced them. But why are we more concerned of losing our rights than experiencing his presence? The only right that you and I have in this world, in this lifestyle, in this life, from zero to whenever we pass away, the only right that we have is to do life with Jesus or without Jesus. That's our only choice. The Bible does fascinate me, though. As I read scripture, I get a little, I'm like, oh, this is, wow, this is just a little nugget here. This is crazy. Sometimes I don't pay attention to everything. I don't know about you. But Luke 8.35 really fascinates me. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, 
sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Where did they get the clothes from? Did somebody run back to the boat and they had an extra robe or something? I don't, anyway, I'm just fascinated by some things that's in this Bible. Where'd that robe, where'd it come from? Where'd those extra clothes from? But anyway, when you change because you haven't experienced the presence of God in your life, there will be people who do not like it. Get them out of your life. No maybes. No, well, I can change them. Let me, if you're single here, if you're single and you went to that single group and you didn't find your spouse in the single group, so let me, let me help you here. There's no such thing as missionary dating. You will not change somebody. They have to be willing to change inside of their heart. They have to have a relationship with Christ. It doesn't matter how much I know Christ. It doesn't help my wife at all. I have to follow him. She has to follow him. And I know some of you are like, oh, I got to break up now, right? Get out of the graveyard. And you'll find the right one because they'll be walking in freedom too. That was a side note, not even in my notes. I'll charge you extra. Go ahead and get those social security numbers out. I like that one, Armando. See, those people, they knew his past. But now something is different. They couldn't understand it. What is different about this game, this man right here? This demon-possessed man, he wasn't ashamed anymore because he had been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. This man who once had the demon-possessed name to him is no longer in shackles, but he is set free for freedom in Christ. This man who had been in bondage, had it broken off from him, he is no longer in restraints this man who now, he, he didn't have a right mind. His mind is set right with peace now. This man no longer is in self-harming himself because he understood he had value in Christ. This man now that didn't have a voice, but that one of this at times and screaming and yelling, ah, now he has a voice of freedom to cast life on other people and tell them what Christ did. No longer death. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. See, the problem is many times we try to keep hanging out in the graveyard even after Christ has broke the chains off of our life. And you know what? If, you set, if, you're, if, you're, if you're around a fire and for a little while, you'll eventually smell like smoke. Stay in the graveyard, and death will try to keep creeping back on you. Third lesson from the graveyard. When rejection is the assignment. My wife got quiet on this one too when I was telling her. When rejection is the assignment. Luke 8.38 says, The man from whom the demon had gone out begged, begged, say begged, to go with him. But Jesus sent him away what I can only imagine that man I can only imagine that demon possessed man thinking please don't reject me Christ Jesus I've spent my entire life in dark places I've been among the tombs I've smelt like death I didn't have a voice I've been in bondage I've had people torment me I've been put in chains I've been isolated from my family I've had communities run from me because they were scared of me please don't reject me but Jesus sent him away 
but please let me go with you. I can only imagine, and it breaks my heart. As I was reading this, I'm breaking, it's breaking my heart because I'm thinking, you finally got the freedom you're asking for, and Jesus says, you can't go with me. Go away. It wasn't rejection. It was an assignment. And sometimes in your life, you're going to have to realize when God says no, it's not rejection. There's an assignment. And I can prove this by Luke 8, 39. It says, saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for them. It wasn't rejection. It was an assignment. Sometimes they don't even, we don't like that because we just want to be at the presence of God. But we have to follow him no matter what. We don't get to dictate. We have to follow And I just wonder, and it's not in here, so I'm just wondering, maybe, maybe Jesus just looked at him and said, hey, uh, in Deuteronomy 31, of course, they wouldn't have had it back then. But maybe he just looked at him and said, hey, I told Moses and Joshua one time, the Lord himself goes before you, and he'll be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Sometimes what you feel is rejection wasn't rejection from Christ. It's an assignment because only you can do that. Matter of fact, if you go read this story, a portion of the story in Matthew, in Matthew when he tells this story, there was actually two demon-possessed men, but only one of them came to Christ. But also, if you read in where Jesus tells him, the town he tells him to go to, if you look at it, it actually means ten cities. So Jesus sent the demon-possessed man who was delivered and set free to ten cities to tell what the master had done. Sometimes he's going to send you to those places to tell people how good your God is and what they've done. But you've got to be in his presence and have an experience with him. You can't be a part-time Christian, Sunday only. He told him to return home and tell how much God has done for you. When you have an experience in his presence... You can't keep it a secret. Once you have had an experience with Jesus, your mission begins. Your commission begins. Your life begins. You just follow. When you're in the presence of God, there's power in your testimony. It only comes from him. Let me tell you a secret. God's not scared of your mess, M-E-S-S. Because it's part of your message. He has sent you out. He's given you a testimony. He wants you to declare it. He needs you to go to those ten cities. He needs you to declare his word and say, this is how good our God is. I've been through the storms. I've been through the trials. I lived in the graveyard. But guess what? The master set me free. As I'm closing today, there's another thing. I tell you, when I read scriptures, just different things stand out to me. And this next thing, church, I'm talking to you, Christians, follower of Christ, I'm talking to you right now. This scripture I'm fixing to read to you has broken my heart time and time again. And I'm going to read it to you to see if it impacts you the same way that it impacts me. And it said, Luke 8, 37, Then all the people of the region of Gerasens 
asked Jesus to leave him, leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got in the boat and left. I just think about those other men and women that are in the graveyard. I think about I think about them being the ones who were isolated, the ones who were rejected, the ones who were thrown away by their families, the ones who were living in shame, the ones that they had no voice, they needed somebody to cry for them. He got in the boat and left. Our world needs us because they're asking his presence to leave and we are his presence carriers. We've got to tell the world We've got to tell friends and family, come out of the graveyard. We've got to tell them. If we don't tell them, who is going to tell them? Because they're rejecting him. They're, they're telling him to go. We have to fight for them. One of my favorite verses of all times is in Proverbs 31. And many people just under, look at the, the last portion of that as a Proverbs woman. But if you go look at the very beginning of it, that mama was talking to King Lemuel. And she says, be the voice. Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Seek out justice and be fair. Oh, church, why do we have to beg people to come to church? If we would lead them to the experience and presence of God, His Holy Spirit draws all men to Him. To be out of a graveyard, to be out of handcuffs, to be unshackled, to have freedom. We understand that on a physical term, but on a physical, but in the natural. But what about in the spiritual? So many people are living inside the graveyards. And all they know is the stench of death. And we carry the life of Jesus Christ inside of us. Oh, we've got to share the gospel with them. You have been commissioned, missioned, and your story starts now. There is no longer dictating how you follow Christ. You've got to be a full-on, sold-out, pick up your cross daily, follow him, no matter what the cost is, believer. If you stand with me today. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute. Maybe today you haven't experienced that life-giving Jesus. Maybe you're still in the graveyard. Maybe you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible tells us. And he says his Holy Spirit will draw all men to him. And if today you say, man, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be out of that graveyard. I don't want to live like that anymore. I just want you to lift your hand. If you today, you don't know if you'd leave here. I see one hand. How many others saying, I want out of the graveyard? I see two hands. I see three hands. I see four hands. It's time to break free out of this graveyard. It is time to get out of it. You are meant for life, not death, 100%. I see six hands. I see seven hands. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for those seven hands that says, bring me out of the graveyard. Give me life. I don't want to be in these tombs anymore. We just thank you for that. As you raised your hand today, we believe with you today. And we have all said the sinner's prayer. So we're all, as a family members, and inviting you and, and saying, welcome to the new family of Christ. We're all going to say this prayer together. Say, dear, dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart, into my life. Forgive me for all my sins and all my ways. I repent 
and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Give God some praise. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.